2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTmobile.com.
1: On the line is Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. In Santa for a while, Baldy now joins us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Baldy, welcome to the show, sir.
2: Well, hello guys. Are you guys uh I mean sufficiently recovered from what we all watched on
1: Saturday? Uh sufficiently recovered? No. But do we still have to work? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I all right, real quick, we're going to pop Baldy back on hold there as I think we have a connection issue. And Insider Calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Body Wash. That's Blend Body Wash for you and me, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. You and I were talking about the other day. We're exfoliating and um, skin and, and exfoliating plus 24-7. Line your ass off. Uh, we'll get Baldy back on the horn here. Yeah, I, I. By the way, I kind of love that that's his first question back to us, because, I, I don't know. Like, I really, I said this yesterday. I really don't know how this loss is going to age. I'm not. I, I like have accepted it better as I've gone on, but as we bring him back here, so Baldy, just full disclosure. Welcome back. And I got to tell you, I, I. I think I feel as good about this loss as I can some three days out, but like I I could have, I could be walking down the street four days from now and have just complete and total and utter mental breakdown. So that's kind of where we are.
2: Yeah, I know. I understand flashbacks are going to happen because something that looked so good. I mean, it's just Cinderella, you know, the slipper fell and uh, everything that was going well. I mean, I, I guess the part, I understand, you know, Joe Flacco. Um, he had been throwing interceptions. It really caught it was really costly. The back to back, you know, pick sixes obviously uh, will change any game. You're not gonna win those games. But I guess, you know, I think we all have to like look at, you know, the Browns defense and go, how did this happen? You know, how does Brevin Jordan catch a tight end screen to go seventy yards or whatever? I like just the way that they manhandled the defense is just something that I never thought I was gonna see. I, I, I thought the defense would keep him in the game regardless of how the offense performed and that just wasn't the case.
1: What were the Texans what was Bobby Sloic doing specifically, or was this more about Jim Schwartz and what they were doing that allowed Bobby Sloak's offense to pick him apart?
2: Uh I mean look, the quarterback didn't miss. Um and so protect you know, protection was key. Obviously, you know, like his, he didn't get touched in the game. Um So, you know, when you could do that, that that always helps. You knew Nico Collins was their number one wide receiver, and yet they couldn't really stop him and slow him down. And so that was disappointing how they couldn't take a number one wide receiver out, and they had been able to do that all year long. And so the inability to affect the quarterback and then to take the number one wide receiver out, like just is a head scratcher still to this point.
1: Baldy. Is there an area you've watched enough of this Browns team that I'll ask you? The defense was number one in the NFL. Is there a glaring need, you see, or a, or an area that you think would be best for them to upgrade this offseason?
2: Well, I mean, they, they spent a lot of resources to upgrade the defensive line, and for most of the year, Darius and you know all the guys that they brought in, um, you know, it was an upgrade and. We saw a year from Jeremiah Russo-Coromo that I think everybody in Cleveland was hoping he would eventually play like he did at Notre Dame, and he did. And the corners were really good until that, until, that, you know, uh, until that fateful Saturday. And, you know, obviously the injuries at safety probably hurt this team more than what we thought it was. But I would say that probably is the position right now that has to be
0: addressed the most. When you look at this Flacco situation, you know, it's. I'm guessing he's probably not back with the Browns, but who the heck knows? I mean, the way things finished, I mean, he loves Cleveland. He loved the way he was embraced here. And and obviously, Deshaun has has injury concerns, so there's a chance maybe he'd play again. Uh, Where do you think he ends up? I don't know. I mean, I think Cleveland's the best place as a backup to Deshaun. uh, And
2: you better have a good backup in place uh, the way Deshaun has been injured the last two years. So I would say that. You know, keeping him should be a high priority. Now you're going to get Nick Chubb back. We'll see what stage, you know, what kind of, you know, health Nick Chubb has a year from now after the devastating injury. But you know, presumably the way he works, he's going to be good. Uh, The running game should be back. You should get your tackles back. Um, You know, the offense should be a lot better next year. And if if Joe can have a role where he's got to play a game here, a game there, a a stretch here, if something would happen to Deshaun, like you'd love to have a guy that knows the offense, he's had great success in this offense in Baltimore. He had great success here, you know, for a month. Like, I would think that you would want to keep Joe, um, you know, uh, hanging around right now.
1: Brian Baldinger on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So we, we were having conversations about, you know, what is transferable? What can you carry over from this year? Because some people pointed out, well, you know, you have a different quarterback next year. Well, you gotta make a decision at three three or four contracts. So of what you saw from this team, what can you carry over from a very successful twenty twenty three regular season?
2: Well, I mean, I think that, you know the develop the use of David Njoku is real. I mean he still had a great game the other day. But, you know, Njoku is a real force. And so I think a tight end like that. We're going to see some really good tight ends in the divisional round of the playoffs. Like I think that's that's huge. Uh, Amari Cooper had a great season. Um, you know I think looking at the development of David Bell, I mean, I think the receiving position looks pretty good at this point. Um, you know I think that you know outside of last week, I mean Jerome Ford did about as well as you could as basically presumably being a backup running back. I mean I think there's some real pieces in place. I think Dewan Jones is a guy that you could build around at right tackle. You know, you just get him into better shape, get him stronger, keep, him, keep his weight down. I think you've got, you got, know, um, you know, a book in right tackle for a long time to come. Uh, the middle three guys, I know Betonio started getting nicked up a little bit at the end, but that middle three is as good as there is in this business. So, I mean, I think there's some real takeaways from this offense and how good they can be.
0: Baldy, want to get your thoughts on on something a little little off off this Browns topic here too? As we saw the Eagles, you know, kind of bow out of the playoffs last night, and I know you lived out there in New Jersey, right near the the Eagles facility, and and know those guys pretty well. You know, Jason Kelly, Kel, Jason Kelsey's retiring, uh, announced that after last night's game. He's been with them for I believe thirteen seasons. Cleveland guy, we know him pretty well here. Played yep. his ball at Cincinnati. Uh, j- just curious, your thoughts on his career?
2: Well, I mean. I've known Jason since he came here. I mean, he is, he's the heartbeat of the team, but he's the heartbeat of the city. And he goes to an event. I don't care if he goes to a Sixer game, if he goes to a parade, if he goes to a restaurant opening. Like, they, they turn out for Jason Kelsey. Like, he he's never going to – he's going to live in Philadelphia his whole life. He's, he's going to raise his daughters here. Um, but, you know, if you look at the pantheon of great Eagle players, um, you know, from Tommy McDonald to Reggie White, I mean, you're not going to mention – the pantheon of Wilbur Montgomery, great Eagle players, and not mention Jason Kelsey. He's gonna. He's just finished his third straight first team All Pro season. He's had five throughout his career. Not to mention the Pro Bowls, the number of cons, you know consecutive starts, all that stuff. Like you can't mention the history of the Philadelphia Eagles without talking about Jason Kelsey.
1: Baldy looking to Philly, Dallas, and Miami. Uh, In a way, Cleveland and, and, you know, kind of getting their butts kicked in the first round has been overshadowed by what's happened in those three towns. Which one, again, I'll say it, Miami, Philly, and Dallas, which one of those collapses, if you will, stood out the most to you?
2: I think Dallas, because I saw it coming to Philly. Like, I saw their inability to tackle, their inability to stop the pass, the ball from going over their head. I saw it for most of the season. And then, you know, their inability to have an answer when teams blitz, like they did, didn't have last night. Like they haven't had in half a half a season. But to see what happened to Dallas, I mean, Dallas was the best home team in the league. Uh, Dallas is was having a great season. To see Green Bay take the Cowboys apart in every phase of the game, that's the one that shocked me. I could see Miami going up into those type of temperatures and that type of weather with a team that was really banged up and really injured. Um, I would say Dallas is the most alarming performance that we saw. Like, they were never in that game from the opening drive. And the quarterback looked like, you know, Bart Starr in the 60s, like Favre in the 90s, like Aaron Rodgers in you know 2008. Like, he looked as good as any Packer quarterback that's ever played any playoff game. And I just didn't think – I thought he'd play good. I just didn't think he would be perfect.
1: Is Dallas a McCarthy issue or more of a DAC issue?
2: Might be just an organization issue. I mean, from Jerry on down. I mean, because they've been in this situation now a long time, you know, since Jimmy Johnson left. They have been in this situation where they can't get out of their own way in the playoffs. No matter if they're at home, if they're the favorite. um, We've seen, you know, the faces melt on those fans, including the owner, uh, right in front of us in these horrible playoff losses. So, you know, they've changed the coaches. They've changed quarterbacks. They've changed coordinators. They've done all of this. And yet here they are in the playoffs with the same results. So I think a whole lot of people in that organization have to take a look at themselves and, and how they're doing it because, it, like, they've drafted well. I mean, there's Micah Parsons and Dak in the fourth round and CD. I mean, they drafted very well. Yet they have the most humiliating playoff losses that any team has had.
1: Brian Baldinger on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Uh, Baker Mayfield, former Browns quarterback winning against Philly last night in the playoffs. I'm just curious at, at what you're seeing from Baker on the, on film this year and why this year looks so different from the previous two years across three different teams.
2: Well, I mean, he's been there all year. I mean, he was there, you know, he came to Carolina You know, in July, he never even learned the offense. The team around him was terrible. I mean, he's been there all year. He won the job early. Uh, They got a new coordinator who's very creative. The offensive line had to get rebuilt. So he had to, like, kind of allow that to develop. The running game gradually got a little bit better. But Baker got to be Baker, you know, where, you know, he he gets to make these throws down the field. If they caught the ball last night, they would have scored a 50. But he got a chance to be Baker, show his competitive fire, his ability to throw a deep ball, his. Like, just his fire to escape the rush. Like, all the things that you saw for periods of, you know, off and on in Cleveland, like, you see that fire. But now he seems to be more mature about the whole thing. He's had – he's been humbled in Cleveland. He got humbled in Carolina. Now now I I don't think it's about proving to everybody anymore, like, I belong. I feel like he's in a good spot on a good team where he could just be Baker and he doesn't have to – Put the team on his back, like they've got help. They've got, you know, some guys that have been in this business a long time that have had a lot of success. And now I think he just gets to play quarterback and have some fun.
0: But I want to ask you about something that happened during the broadcast the other night. You know, Chris Collinsworth, who does a great job, was talking about the hit on Higby uh, in that Lions game and, and how you know he went low, and that's sort of what we're taught now. I and mean, I played DB, you know, back when I played, and and it's, I don't know how I'd play these days, but I mean, he, he mentions the fact that. Any player would rather somebody go high, even though in the moment you're not thinking about the, the long term ramifications of CTE and concussions, things like that. But like in those situations, like we even experienced it here in Cleveland with Nick Chubb early in the season when Micah Fitzpatrick went low. Some people thought it was dirty, but what was he supposed to do in this situation? What's your what's your overall like takeaway on, on some of those hits?
2: Well, I mean look, Kirby Joseph is not a dirty player. He's a good player. I don't think he's a dirty player. Could he have changed the target? Possibly. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Um, you know, because of the result, but players do get hit in the knees all the time and bounce up. They don't always, you know, turn out to be um, season-ending ACL tears like, you know, it did to Tyler Higby. but... I mean, you know, Chris, ask the right question because uh, we have talked about this. Would you rather get hit high and a targeting hit to the helmet or hit low to the knee? And 99% of the players would say, I'll take my shot to the helmet. Don't don't hit me in the knee. And so, look, these guys are so fast. This game is, is happening in, um, you know, in the shutter of a, you know, a flashbulb right now. Uh, and it's just very difficult to change your trajectory sometimes. I I don't believe that there are a lot of dirty players in this league. I think some pits look dirty, but I don't believe there's a lot of players that walk around the locker room going, man, I'm a dirty player. I'm going to take it out on this son of a gun. I don't believe that. Because we've all been hurt, and none of us want to be hurt, and we all want to do what we can to stay healthy and stay in the game. And I, and I think people believe in karma. And if you go out there intentionally to injure somebody, you're going to get injured as a result at some point.
1: Baldy, these are the four lowest-seeded teams left in the playoffs heading to the divisional round. Tampa, Detroit, Green Bay, Houston, and uh, Kansas City. So I'll ask you – actually, I'm sorry. Tampa Bay, (laughs) Green Bay, Houston, and Kansas City. Of those four teams, who do you believe the most in can go out there and win a championship this year?
2: Well, I mean, I would say Kansas City just because they have Mahomes. You know, and the guy threw the ball in you know 33 below zero weather the other day, and it looked like a spring day in Fort Lauderdale to him. Like nothing bothers that guy, and he's found a good receiver, Rasheed Rice, and Kelsey is a factor, and they ran the ball good, and he played error-free football. And when Patrick Mahomes plays error-free football, they win a whole lot of football games.
1: Baldy, great stuff, man. Really do appreciate you. Have uh, have a lovely week here, and uh, we'll talk to you after the divisional round.
2: Okay, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, care. Enjoy the
1: games. Thank you so much. That was Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. Insider Calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. I'll admit, man, like, because of the way it ended, I I do think Joe having that kind of game with with a pick six and just overall really rough second half, I actually think that does a lot for Joe Flacco not getting a starting job somewhere else.
0: yeah. In fact, it may actually help the Browns because had Joe had some magical run and some team bought into him being the legitimate starting quarterback next year and maybe he gets some big deal or like a, a moderate deal. Mm-hmm. Now I think he's in position to come back here.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's now, I think he's most likely to get backup offers. And I also think like, I don't even know there's going to be that much competition for services as a backup. Because the NFL is an optics league. There's a lot of groupthink in it. And I do think people are going to remember what they saw in the Houston game. And the funny thing is, I don't really even put the loss anywhere near Joe. And I, I know that the 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 pick six kind of started the fast decline. But like, you know, I've heard people use the phrase, oh, he turned into a pumpkin. And I'm like, I I don't know that he did. I think he just tried to make things happen because he knew the Browns were behind the eight ball and the defense was not having a lot of success. And I think he took some risks. He wouldn't have if he felt more comfortable, if he wasn't feeling the pressure of a team that was massively underperforming. Like, I think the defense
0: is what turned into a pumpkin on Saturday. Not necessarily Joe. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks can throw two picks in the game. Maybe not two pick sixes like that in a playoff game where it matters so much, but I mean, and in short order. (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it was very, very short order. But the point is, you know, like, I think now you feel very confident that if Flacco's here as a backup, you're going to be like, okay, no matter what happens, like we know like if Deshaun goes down for a couple of games next year, we're in good hands. I think the question becomes, does Joe want to come back as a backup and go through camp the same way?
1: Or would he rather sit out the way he did this year and wait for a starting job? I think that's one part of it. I think the other part is just, how does Deshaun feel about this? You know, like I think it's something we've talked a lot about. But you know, if if Deshaun in any way feels threatened by Joe Flacco, yeah, that 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 becomes a different conversation. And you know, teams quite often teams will allow their their starting quarterback to have say in the backup. Um, and I think the third part of the conversation is just stylistically can you really do the same thing you did here, which is go from one style of offense with what maybe Deshaun does the best to more of what Joe does the best? Because I do think they're completely antithetical to each other. The things that Joe does best are the things that the Browns did the last five, six weeks of the season, and the things that Deshaun do best are the things we still, to this point, have not seen Kevin Stefanski deploy with any measure of consistency and so I think that's another angle of this. I do think fit matters with your backup quarterback. I really do. And I don't know. I, I just, the answer is I don't know. Like, I don't think anybody out there could be pissed if Joe Flacco was back, back as the backup. I think there will be people who will be furious if Joe isn't back as the backup. I'm somewhere in between. I, I just want him back because the guy made me smile this year and the guy kind of saved your season. But I don't think it's as simple as if Joe wants to come back, you bring him back. I think there are a lot of facts. I think this actually might be the more complex situation. Sorry. I just saw the Mike Mike Tomlin walk off the podium yesterday. When he was yesterday. asked
0: one, one question about his future.
1: The man, I just, I got to say. I mean, say, the man. The, I, he just, it's the way that he heard the question and as he's hearing it, it's just, it's honestly the way I have handled a lot of difficult situations. Um, like when I was first with Vanessa, and she'd be mad about something, and I would just turn and walk. like, you know what? I think i got to walk to another room. She's mad. I'll come back when she's not as mad anymore. Sorry, I digress. Uh, 216-474-0092. Let's go with Hunter. Hunter, welcome to the show. What you got for us?
2: Hey, guys. Thank you so much for taking this. Um, first, I uh, just want to say this is my first time calling the show, show sober, uh, so I just <laughs> wanted to point that out.
0: Well, uh, we're proud of you.
2: You yeah.
1: did you. it.
0: You, you made it over
2: six six days, man. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, pretty hyped about that.
0: That's awesome! Congratulations!
2: Uh, thank you. Uh, I say when you look at Joe and coming back, like just look at the way the players received him and the, and the this kind of the attitude that he helped bring. Like we were pumped up, you know. All the guys trusted him and and were comfortable with him. And I just think that's not can't be understated. Just that you have that kind of presence in the locker room. You know, yeah, I can understand that. Like people might be calling for Joe. Deshaun's not. Putting out right away, but whatever they call him for Stefanski when he you know wins the game. So I love Joe. Uh, I think he's earned his, his spot here. I'd love to see him stay with us and retire here.
1: Hunter, we appreciate you, buddy. Keep up all the good stuff, okay? Thanks, guys. Take care. Congrats, man. Thanks, good man, Hunter. There, uh, Larry. Welcome to the show, Larry. Hey, how y'all doing today? Very good. good Happy Larry? random January Tuesday <laughs> to you, sir. Yeah, I was just listening
2: to the first caller, but. You know, he made some R.A. points, but I just think you need to let Joe go on, on his way. He did good for us, and I like him a lot for what he done, but you got a, a quarterback here that we want, you know, after the Baltimore game, Deshaun Watson showed me that we could beat any team in the league, and then he went and got hurt, but we were on the path of, we were on the path to me going to the Super Bowl, in my mind, in my opinion, and you know, Joe came and did his thing, but now let him go. You got DTR to back him up. He then got a little bit more season under him. Hopefully he, he can take, you know, because DTR wasn't doing bad. He was going on his way. It was just that Joe was that, you know, MVP and this and that. But he, oh, man, and then you're going to have a split in this locker room. When Deshaun Watson come back and then he have two a, a game or two bad, everybody going to be, let's get Joe, let's get Joe. Come on, let him go. That's how I feel.
1: Larry, appreciate you, buddy. You made some good points in there. Um, So I do think Joe and Deshaun in the same locker room is a complicated question. And I think only Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, and the coaches and the players can really speak to that. Um, For me, what I would say is, and I already kind of referred to the Deshaun part of this, which is how how would Deshaun feel about it? I don't think it would be a great look, and I don't mean like a great look like you got to move on from him because you're tied to him contractually. I think it would say a lot about Deshaun if Deshaun felt threatened by Joe Flacco.
0: Yeah, I don't think Deshaun should have any threat of Flacco. In fact, I think he should be embracing the idea that Joe would be here and have another voice, another person in the room who's not a coach. Even though he's an old dude and he's older than a lot of head coaches in the league, but to have somebody in that room who you go out to practice with, who sees certain things a certain way, like coaches can only see things their way. They can watch it on film. They can watch it from behind the play. But like when you have a quarterback that can actually go in there and do it and then can be like, hey, hey, Deshaun, this is what you need to look for, even though he's not threatening his job. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone